So we're optimistic and we believe great things yet. I think I sense in you, and it certainly is, you know, we haven't really talked about this much, so I may be wrong here, but I sense in you and I, and I certainly sense in me that same optimism is still operating, and yet there's this undercurrent of, man, I'm, I'm more concerned about the church, particularly in America, than I've ever been before. Welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. So glad you're here with us. We're moving into some more issues now that address the current situation in America and around the world, the spiritual declension, the, uh, the seemingly the, the, the pits of hell have opened up, just spewed uh, filth on our land, violence and sexual immorality and confusion and depravity of mind, uh, spiritual declension in the church. Now that all sounds like bad news. Uh, but but I am believing God for something great. There's a, I would say there's a fire in my bones. Uh, the Jeremiah 20 verse 9 passage. You know that was a passage. My father David Wilkerson uh, was dear to him. He always felt like he had this fire shut up in his bones, and sometimes he didn't want to speak it. Some of these prophetic words, or these words of warnings, or these words of uh, prophetic words of of not only negative but of a spiritual awakening that could come across America and the world. And so that I feel like that. Uh, is, is, is stirring in my heart as well, this fire shut up in my bones. So this new series we're going to be doing is, is, is speaking to that issue of, of, of there's a fire in our bones. Uh, this is so important to me. We actually are publishing a book that's coming out very soon called Fire in His Bones, 50 of the Most Powerful Sermons of David Wilkerson. Uh, we are uh, calling our new pastors conferences that are going to be launched next year. A fire in our bones. We want to raise up pastors and Christian leaders who uh, are stirred, who are not mamby-pamby, who are not watered down, who are not compromised, who are not lukewarm, who are not kowtowing to the culture around them, who are not all about materialism, who are not all about entertainment, but who are about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about uh, preaching an uncompromised holy word of God. That's the fire in our bones. And so we'll be having some conferences next year. And over the next season here now, we're going to be taking these podcasts to to speak particularly to some of the issues that would hinder us from being in that place of revival and spiritual awakening, that fire, fiery move of God that could come across our land, what could hinder that and what could enhance that. And so we'll be doing some interviews with some pastors. Uh, today we have with us Pastor Tim Delina. I have a good friend with me here today. We've known each other since we were babies and um, worked together in ministry in many places, and he has gone on to do some mighty and amazing things for the Lord. He's uh, come to the place now of being the senior pastor, lead pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. You probably know a lot about that ministry. Uh, originally, uh, my father, David Wilkerson, founded it, and then Carter Conlon became the uh, pastor for many years and did such an amazing job. And now Tim has stepped into that role as the lead pastor there at Times Square Church. It's a challenging ministry, uh, but it's also a fruitful ministry, and it's one that gives you an opportunity to attempt to speak to many people around the world. Uh, Tim, thanks for taking the time from New York City, from your office there at Times Square. Yes, Gary, what a joy to be with you. It's always um, an honor to work with you on any capacity, whether we're doing a conference together overseas in America or even a podcast. Yeah, yeah, we've done a lot of things together from back early days when you were a teenager in Detroit. We talked about that in our last podcast. And then, um, you know, even to now, working together in these conferences, it's been... 
been exciting. And uh, speaking of conferences, just a real quick shout out to uh, some events that we're going to be doing together. Uh, we're going to be in, uh, next year, 2023, in, in two national conferences that World Challenge and one that Times Square Church is uh, hosting and partnering in leadership with uh, in August of 2023, a national or maybe even an international conference right there at Times Square Church. Uh, you'll be speaking. I'll be speaking. Carter Conlon speaking. R.T. Kendall. I don't know if he's confirmed or not yet, but uh, I think he's, he'll be here. He'll be here, and crazy Nikki Cruz yeah. will come That's along right. with us. Uh, he, he's confirmed, and maybe a couple others, some 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 prize speakers, and the great worship from uh, from from your ministry, and we'll bring some music as well. So the first one though is in San Diego. I know that's a long way away, but I just want to put a, a bit of information in people's ears to help uh, understand. So you've been there now in New York for how, how long you've been there? Uh, almost two years now or three? Or? Uh, it was two years, two years in May, two years in May. Two, may, may it be two years. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you know, I, I think you've stepped into, I'm probably not wrong here. You stepped into uh, something that was somewhat of a, a local church both in Detroit and in Louisiana, into now probably is what, even though you, I think you have a local church pastor's heart and vision, but nonetheless, without trying, you're in an international and certainly a national ministry that uh, speaks to America and speaks to the nation as well. Um, does that feel different pastoring when you're, do you have to think at all like, okay, some of the things I'm doing and saying uh, goes beyond extra local uh, my own congregation. Well, when I when I step in here, Gary, it was uh, you're absolutely right. It you what your dad did in Carter Conlon, it opened up the world. And what in almost what what has happened over the last two years through the advancement of technology, it is it has gone further faster is what is what's happened. Um, and so there's that weight. I, I think that's I think the two things that have hit me that have changed a, the the local pastor in me is the weight and the soberness of, of, of who's watching really for direction, even as a church. Because one of the things that Carter Conlon told me, Gary, was this. He said, when you step into the Times Square Church pulpit, he said, churches around the world look to see what we're saying upon, upon the culture and society. So for example, Gary, um, just this Sunday, I, I saw the, 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 the metrics, they, they'll send it to me. You'll have joining with us live. It doesn't even include the downloads, but they'll be live with us this Sunday with 76 different countries and 49 different states. So my, in the one thing I asked was, I said, well, who is the 50th holdout state? <laughs> right. And it was Nevada. And so Nevada. I was going wow. like, okay. I'm going like, is it Vegas? Is it Vegas that's <laughs> yeah. holding us back? Um, <laughs> but there is, and, and that is something that was started, obviously, from the reach of your dad, Carter Conlon's prophetic voice like your dad. Um, and then what, what, what we have watched take place here is using the technology to reach to once again to go further faster so there is a soberness and a weight where most churches i think and the other part was this gary where most local churches and and this is no fault but you you find yourself that can do a four-week series on stewardship and speak on giving for four weeks every uh, every january to get people ready to tithe and then february you do four weeks on relationship because you have 
you have uh, Valentine's Day and everybody wants to talk about relationships. So what's interesting is when the Ukraine war hit um, in February, the local church was still doing relationships and we, we can't do that. We, we have to hear what is God saying that the place of the church and what we're supposed to be, do, and how are we supposed to respond biblically? It doesn't mean we respond on every issue, but there are some of those big rocks that I really believe that that's the soberness and the weight that we have to think bigger and further on. That's profound. I love, love, love how you think that through. The um, You and I are both, I, I would say, in our time together, I'd say we're optimistic, we're joyful, we we laugh tons. Uh, I, I, I always tend to think back at that place that you and I, and, and I think it was Claude and my brother, were in New York, and we were and we were laughing so hard. I think they were going to kick us out, and we had zero to drink, which is our, our normal. And um, <laughs> awesome. you know, so we, so we're optimistic, and we believe great things. Yet, I, I think I sense in you, and it certainly is. I, you know, we haven't really talked about this much, so I, I may be wrong here, but I sense in you, and I, and I certainly sense in me that same optimism is still operating, and yet there's this undercurrent of, man, I'm I'm more concerned about the church, particularly in America, than I've ever been before. Uh, you know, when I look at, you know, your church has a nat- national voice, World Challenge to some degree has, uh, but there's other, I don't want to call them competing voices, especially if we're all in the same body of Christ, but there are, as the Bible calls, false teachers, and there are some witnesses that have, have uh, been less than stellar in their testimony. Uh, so just g- give me your take, even though you're an optimist, uh, so to speak, um, on the condition, let's, let's first talk about like the trouble spots, like some of the things you see that concern you about the church. Gary, I, I, I can't remember if it was you who said it to me uh, from how your dad described it or, or we were with your dad. I, I, I'm not sure. We just got to Detroit. And while we're in Detroit, um, your dad just came out with the book, uh, Set the Trumpet to Your Mouth. And it was a radical book. It was probably the most radical thing he wrote since The Vision um, because it was a call to get rid of TV sets. It was a call to stop watching television. It was, a, it, was, it was a real challenge. And this is what I remember your dad saying. Once again, I think, I think you relate it to me. Um, your dad said this. He said, sometimes in the church, the pendulum swings so far this way that it needs a message this way to bring the balance there and he said that's what he felt like set the trumpet to your mouth was it was it was to bring it was to bring the body of christ back to a healthy place but it was going to take an extreme it was going to take an extreme voice as it, as if god was shouting to the church and i i have a sense gary that the church and 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 i'm seeing more pastors even in my office and talking to them has swung so far this way that there's going to have to come that set the trumpet to your mouth or the vision like your dad like your dad spoke those those moments where god is going to speak um a word that to get the church ready and and here's what i feel like gary it was um billy sunday the great american evangelist said it like this he said the the way revival starts he says it's it the revival happens with two things it's, it's the return of the church and then the conversion of the lost. He says, but it's a conviction within the church before it becomes a conviction outside the church. 
And I think that's where I think we've lost in the church today. Um, I think the church, what I'm seeing, and here's, and Gary, you, like you said, you said it best, we're both optimists. But what I'm seeing happen in the church more that I've ne- I don't think I've seen before, um, there, is, there is this sense of, of the call back in the book of Revelation. When, when the call of Revelation to the churches, those seven churches, it, it seemed that the final word of Jesus to the church in the, in the Bible, the final word to him was repent. That was the final word to, that, that Jesus would give to the church. And I have this sense that's what's happening. It's a calling back. Um, when Hosea, and I'll just say it like this, Gary, when, when Hosea says, my people are bent on backsliding, he gives this amazing description in Hosea eleven seven, And this is what he says. He says, my people are bent on backsliding. And then here's the description, Gary. He says this. They call to the one on high, but none of them exalt him. That they can, they can speak with their mouths, but their lives don't prop him to the, to the chief and the priority place. That I think that's, it's, it's, the, it's the bringing up, it's putting Jesus back into his rightful place into the church. And I think, I think you have a church today that can call it doesn't exalt. And I think that's the challenge today. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. The, um, as you were talking about the pendulum swinging one way or another, could you put a few words to the, to the swing of the things that maybe uh, you'd like to see it swing back the other way a bit? Yeah, I, I think I, – so I, I had a talk with some leaders at, at, in, in some ministries and some places, and I said, for example – so here was one of the challenges. I said – we're living in a time that the church, and I said, this is one of the warnings. So Paul said, um, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial or expedient, is, is what Paul says. And I think one of the biggest dangers that has to swing, Gary, is that the church has gotten so caught, so caught up in preaching, posting, and promoting the lawful that we have, that we have not promoted and preached and posted the beneficial. So you have a church today that will take things in a sense that won't send you to hell. And those are the things that get promoted and posted and preached. And I think God is asking us to come back to the beneficial, the expedient and say, what is it? It's, it's a church that maybe has found itself in, in a spot where there was so much, there was so much legalism and there was so much, uh, denominationalism and religion that held people in bondage. And so when they broke free from it, instead of, instead of moving towards the beneficial, they hung out at the lawful. And I think it's a, it's a call back to the beneficial, the expedient, that which brings us and makes us look closer to the image of Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes, it makes total sense. Yeah. And I, and I think Gary, like for example, and, and even just to just one other point to it, um, we grew up at a time, you and Gary, you and I did, it, you think of it, it's, we grew up at a time that if you had drums in a church, oh my goodness, you couldn't have drums or an electric guitar. That was anathema in the church. But it's interesting to me that the first thing that Hezekiah does when he becomes one of the revival kings is before going for the idols, he goes after a religious idol. And in, in 2 Kings 18, he goes after the brazen serpent that Moses fashioned in Numbers 21. 
And, and here's what took place. In Numbers, 20, uh, in Numbers 21, when the children of Israel were complaining, he, God instructed them, build a brazen serpent. And then the famous words that even converted Spurgeon, he says, look and live. And if you look on this brazen serpent, you, you would be set free from the bites of the serpents. Jesus even referenced it in John 3. Well, it shows up again 700 years later in, in, in Jerusalem, the brazen serpent. And they even renamed it. The Bible says, and he broke it into pieces because they renamed it Nehushtan. I mean, what genius. They said, let's, let's carry the brazen serpent for 700 years and even have a name to it. It was almost as if God was going... Let the, in order for revival to come, I will crush religious things that that revival can come. And I think that's that's what's happening. It's 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 a crushing of the religion uh, that's happening to get us back to the place of exalting. Well, your your predecessors there would look at that pendulum and they would, you know, they would speak to them. You know, I was I was sharing recently with a, a group and. Uh, is looking at uh, Ephesians six, and, you know, and this uh, the the whole armor, and uh, you know when you read that passage, you know you you obviously come away thinking this is the armor put on this and the shield and the sword and the helmet, and you know even in Sunday school when we were kids we're learning these elements that were to put on, but something that had skipped in this whole thing the the primary if you you know sometimes when we're teaching we look at the weight of a particular word used. Uh, and, uh, you know, he uses, he uses the word stand, for instance, three times in this, you know, seven or eight verses, but he uses the word against uh, six times, uh, you know, and, and so almost every element put on the armor of God so he can be against the schemes. We don't wrestle against the flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers. We wrestle against authorities. We wrestle against cosmic powers. We're against uh, spiritual forces, and we take a stand against these things. Um, that pendulum, you know, your predecessors, you know, my dad would get up in the pulpit and say, you know, the prosperity preachers are false teachers and run from them. And Carter Conlon, you know, one of his well-known sermons is run. And, uh, uh, you know, do you feel that mantle at all, or are you more of a— I want to help people build and grow and grow, get towards revival. Or do you actually, are you kind of one of the pastors that are f following, because you know, following in that suit of take a stand, I'm against, you know, I'm against this or that, or do you just kind of let the Lord take care of that part of the pendulum? You know, I, I here's, and I think for me, Gary, where I, I think what, how God used your dad and how God used Carter Conlon that they were the, like you said, they were the pendulum swingers that, that just would get that for the church to get back to a healthy place. I think that what God has prepared, that has prepared in my own heart. I, your dad used to say this. I, I, let me say it like this. He, he would, your dad would say, I'm not a prophet. I'm an Amos. I'm a shepherd that would occasionally prophesy. Um, I'm probably 90% shepherd but feels those 10% moments. And in that shepherding part, I, I strongly feel my optimism is that there will be a great pouring out of, of, of lives being saved. I think the more, the more that legislation legalizes and, and, and gives, and gives uh, even the thumbs up and the affirmation to sin that the Bible clearly speaks against, I think that drives us closer to the people finding out that it becomes a dead end and the church is going to become a place 
that we will be able to reap that harvest of soul winning. And my, that's, that's my heart. Like, like Gary, when I was, if you were to walk down New York City, you, you'll be with us next month preaching at Times Square Church. The, the, when we grew up, Gary, you and I grew up in New York City, the, the, the smell of the, and the odor of everything from the hot dogs and the pretzels and the caramelized nuts on the streets and everything else have all been displaced by, by weed and marijuana. Every street, you'll see workers on breaks smoking weed. It's all, it's all over. And when I smelt that, my, my heart wasn't going like, well, we've got to preach against that. My heart was going, this is getting this culture. They're going to get, they're going to get to the dead end faster to know that that is not going to liberate them. I, I really believe that there is going to come that Teen Challenge will not have an empty bed in the years to come because of what this is going to create. And, and I believe it's going to create the beginnings almost, almost like the Jesus people revival that, that they ran into the dead end of the drugs that was introduced in the sixties. And then all of a sudden in the seventies, the church didn't know what to do as, as this flood came in. I believe the same thing's going to happen from the LGBTQ to the, to the legalization of marijuana. I believe all of this is setting us up for a national revival in my, in my, in my opinion. Amen. I think that's that's so profound. And you know, as you're talking, the scripture comes to mind. First uh, Corinthians five twelve. Uh, for what have I do? What for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those. Is it not those inside the church whom we judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. And would would you take that passage of scripture in the context where you're at in New York and say, okay. I, I, you know, as a pastor, I need to shepherd my people, and if they're in immorality, or if they're, you know, if a man's stuck in pornography, I need to help him get out of that. But I, but I don't necessarily spend my tons of my energy on, uh, you know, stopping, you know, uh, amendment whatever. That you know, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? I do, and that's such a great point, Gary. Because here's here's where I think the church has found itself. Off course, I, I think that that when you look through the Book of Acts, one of the things that happened, they never found favor with the with the government and the legal and and, and the authorities. They've never found it, and and but the church kept multiplying. The church kept multiplying, and people kept getting born again. And and it starts off. Uh, in Acts 2 that the Lord added to the church. And then as you read, I think it's Acts 4, it says, and he multiplied the church. Like it went from addition to multiplication, but none of it started with, let's fix this amendment. Let's get this right. Let's get this. Because it, because I'm not, this is what it does say. It says that the people, they found favor with the people. That's what I think that's going to happen in the church. We will not find favor with the courts and the government. That we will not, find, but we will find favor. The church, I believe, with the message of the gospel, will find favor with the multitudes because they're going to realize everything that was legalized and everything that was voted on brought them faster to the dead end, and it's going to open up for the church. Where I don't need the government to 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 to, to acknowledge me. I want the multitudes coming in, and that's what I believe God's going to do. I agree 100. That's uh, we are. I'm grateful to live in a nation where, if there is a revival, and I believe there will be, 
then that changes not only the hearts of the people, but their mind, their behaviors, their patterns. And, and you know, I don't think the goal of it is who they vote for, but I think that's a byproduct of it. And so the, our nation can change even in legislation stuff without necessarily as from the pulpit aiming at legislation, say, you know, for the next six weeks, I'm going to be talking about this amendment or that legislation. Uh, but yet you're you're touching people's heart. I heard somebody recently talking about uh, he, he was a pastor in the West Coast. And he said, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of email requests lately to answer the question, you know, what are we going to do with, you know, you know, Roe v. Wade or what do we do with the uh, LBGQ2, uh, all these other um, things that are sort of, you know, turning the tide of American culture. And I, I liked his answer. He said, um, he said, well, there's a lot we can do and we should get involved and we should protest and believe what we believe. But he said the, the, the really where it starts for the church is in the family. He goes like, uh, you know, if we don't, if we don't teach our own kids, if, if a husband and wife don't live biblically, a biblical worldview, and if they're not seeking God's face, then, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to st stretch out behind that. And, you know, I, I think there's something to that, that, the, that the, the family be the family and the church be the church and let the spiritual awakening be born out. It's similar to what you said earlier in the interview where you were talking about, you know, it's the church and then society, the church. Uh, you were quoting somebody. I can't remember who you were quoting there. But Well, that's, what, what you're saying, Gary, is so true. And here's what I think the pulpit, not only Times Square Church pulpit, but every, every pulpit, uh, what we need to be. I, I, I think it was... I think it was F.W. Borum, a preacher from the 40s and 50s from Australia, said it like this. He said, in order, when you see a, a bent stick and some, a crooked stick, he said, don't, don't speak against the crooked stick. Just place down a straight stick. And that's, that will show the crookedness. And, and what, what we have done from generations of the past, we've yelled about the crookedness of the stick. Let's just lay down the straight sticks. So in, instead of, instead of, for example, and that goes back all the way back to let's, let's get to not what is lawful, but what is beneficial. So if I want to, if I want to show an LGBTQ community, uh, instead of yelling at, at this, the crooked stick of, of some worldviews, whether that it could be any community, it doesn't, that, that, that I feel like there are some things that have, that God has to speak to then we need to say, this is what real love is. This is what real uh, real friendship is. It doesn't have to morph into these other things. Here's the straight stick, which is found in the word of God. And I think that's what God is asking us to do. And that's why it's a call back, Gary, I think it's a call back to the church, back to the word of God, the straight stick to say, stick with the scriptures. It will expose every crooked stick that's out there if we just preach the straight stick. And I think that's what God's calling us to do. I hear what you're saying. I think, I, I think I, I'm tracking with you. I might add maybe, or just, I'm not, uh, just push back a little bit on that just by saying, you know, the, you know, we don't, we, I would say going back to this passage in, in Corinthians four or five, we, you know, we don't show uh, the, the, the crooked stick and yell at the crooked stick in the world. But I think the church and our, the people that we're pastoring have to know discern between good and evil they have to know okay this is a good stick yeah this is it but this is an evil stick you need to you need to be aware of this otherwise it's going to slip in the church and you're going to have 
you know, uh, things that you would have never accepted that are uh, clearly contrary to scripture and people go like, that's right. well, a straight stick is love. So I should love. So if this, if this gay, you know, person wants to become a pastor, then maybe love if that's a straight stick or acceptance or tolerance is, you know, so I think inside the church, I think we present both the straight and the crooked. I don't know if, and then outside, you know, no, Gary, I think you're I think you're absolutely right because I think that's the repentance part of the church. That's the part because I don't think I don't think we understand what the straight stick is yet in the church. Right, yeah. And I think that's where the course correction comes. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. For the, but for the world, yelling at crookedness to the world doesn't change anything. Yeah. But to the church, we we have to we have to course correct that. I agree with you hundred percent. Well, and that that will bring us to uh, what we want to talk about in our next episode. Uh, kind of been a little bit more on the. Here I am announcing how optimistic we are, and I keep asking questions that are negative, like about you know bad things happening. Uh, I want us to to uh, get get together our next episode, and uh, talk about the, the 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 bright things that God has ahead for us, and the the potential of a revival, the spiritual awakening that could could come. The I have no idea what kind of scale, but I know God's not finished yet. So, uh, just, uh, Tim, thanks for joining us here today and uh, look forward to coming right back on the next episode. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.